Better all those up, Swindon fans. But you're not there yet. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Together a Brighton and Over Albion podcast. Um, we have a little bit to talk about today, of course. We have the Liverpool recap. We have the Arsenal uh, re- like preview, I guess. Um, and a bit of Wolves preview as well. Um, because, you know, we're playing them both uh, in the next week or so before I get to record my next show. Um, and then, of course, we, we have something else to, to lead off with. So, hope you've had a good week. Uh, we are now three quarters of the way through an absolutely horrific run of form uh, against some of the best sides in the league, of course. Um, I'm delighted that we won't have to play them anymore. Uh, but most importantly, uh, Graham Potter, along with uh, his assistant, Billy Reed, um, his first team coach, uh, Bjorn Hamburg. Of course, all of these are ex-Ostersund. They've all come along with him. Um, an assistant head of recruitment, Kyle McCauley. Um all eyes on Kyle McCauley, to be fair, uh, in January, um, have all agreed to contract extensions to 2025. Uh, the trio joined Potter, of course, uh, from Ostersund to Swansea to Albion. Um, Bloom seems to be delighted with it. Uh, as to why this happened, I guess no one can really, really guess. Um, you know, he said that in the summer we unveiled a new long-term vision, uh, for us to become an established top 10 Premier League club, we feel even more strongly that Graham is a bright, and bright, energetic and innovative head coach is the right man to lead us there. Um, now, from all the interviews we've seen since, uh, Potter himself has actually said he was quite surprised by the news. Um, you know, whether it was, uh, I spoke about it on Love Sport Radio on Friday uh, on the Brighton Fan Show. 10 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. on TuneIn or any other radio station if you're in the UK. Definitely recommend you check it out. Um, They have some pretty good stuff on there every week. Um, But they were actually discussing the contract. They asked me what I thought. And I'm I'm wondering if it was uh, just a case of really just clamping him down before the managerial merry-go-round takes place. So... Obviously, Bloom and Barber and Ashworth and everybody else were very pleased with what he's brought to the table so far. You know, that bright attack in football that is a far cry from the way we played in the last two years. Um, and he obviously fits the mold of bringing through the youth. Um, and he's obviously someone that's young and has been in demand in the past. So I can understand them trying to clamp him down even further. Uh, this is kind of ensuring that if Everton, West Ham any of those kind of teams that are clearly more prestigious than us right now, uh, sack their managers, which they very well may do very soon, uh, because Watford, as we know, have just fired Kike Sanchez-Flores this weekend. Um, We'll get to that shortly as well. So, you know, I think it's just a case of a bit of a hands-off manoeuvre, as much as it is a reward for Potter. I think it can be both, and I think it is both. Um, So interesting to see him come in. 
happy with it, happy to see the, the new contractors come through. Uh, you know I'm a big fan of Potter so far. Uh, nothing that I've seen so far has made me change my mind on that. Uh, not Liverpool this weekend either. Despite the defeat, I'm still very much uh, in the Potter in-camp, no matter how many people are starting to slowly turn the other way. Um, you see it after every defeat, slightly... A slight influx of Potter outers are uh, in in and around the area right now, um, and it's only going to get worse because we play Arsenal on on uh, Thursday. So interesting, but very well received from me. Happy to have him, and hope that that does serve as a good kind of hands off maneuver from the Albion. Speaking of managerial merry-go-rounds, uh, before we head into the Liverpool review, um, I think it's very interesting to note that Flores has been sacked by Watford. Uh, I believe he had like 10 games in charge or something like that um, and was sacked immediately. Personally, I think they should have never have got rid of Gracia. Um, I don't think that getting rid of him was the right decision. I think if they do eventually get relegated, which seems to be very likely at this point, uh, despite us only being like a third of the way in, um, I think that they can look back and note that they sh probably should have stuck with Gracia up until at least now um, before they started getting rid uh, I don't think that they would have finished or I don't think they would be doing as badly as they are now um, if they'd have kept him, but who knows. So big, big turning point on that story is uh, as of the time of this recording, Chris Hutton is one to two on uh, to take that job. Chris Hutton never been relegated in his Premier League managerial career um, and is also a man that can absolutely kick the crap out of a championship promotion campaign um i think there are a lot worse options than chris hutton for watford uh you know if he doesn't keep them up and they do go down this is a team that should in theory be able to play very bright attractive fun attacking football under hutton in the championship get themselves promoted pretty quickly um, and then really the rest of that is history, right? Like I'm sure he'll do just fine in the first season and then it's really a case of where do they go from there because we all know Hutton's track record with his second season in the, in the Premier League. So odds are looking very like Hutton is going to be the new Watford manager um, and good luck to him if that's the case. Obviously we'll be updating this this time next week because we will know for sure. Um, but as of right now, it's up in the air. Chris Hutton may well be coming back to management after a fair bit of time out of it uh, for most managers. So onto the onto the the meat of the story this week. Uh, we all knew that this was going to be a tough, tough game at Anfield. Um, anybody who felt confident or felt fine, really, um, going into this game are insane. Um, not only are Liverpool one of the best teams in the world, uh, European champions, the history didn't favour us either, right? Liverpool are unbeaten in 30 Premier League games. Uh, they've only dropped two points at home all season uh, with one draw. Uh, Albion, we've lost eight of our last 10 away days at Anfield, um, and our away form really not showing much improvement under Potter since the Watford game. One draw and now five losses, um, albeit, you know, get my words out, albeit four of those five defeats were Manchester City, Chelsea, Manchester United and Liverpool away. Um, and then, of course, the dodgy, dodgy Villa game to add to that fifth loss. Um you know, it's it's not exactly uh, statistically in our favour, regardless of the fact that, you know, the games aren't played on paper. So it's a little surprise to think we were well up against it before a ball was even kicked. Uh, but I think we can all agree 
that yesterday was a very encouraging day to be an Albion fan in the Premier League. Uh, we continued to watch our manager learn. We continued to see him grow with us throughout this horrible spell of four games. Um, and every single time, he has made decisions that make us look better every week. Um, Manchester United, we were schooled and looked rather naive. Leicester City, we looked a lot better um, and kind of felt a little unlucky coming away with the, the defeat. And this week at Anfield, we were, albeit by far the worst team out of the two, we were still in it. Um, regardless of the sending off, we were very much in it. Uh, because, of course, if that if that sending off hadn't happened, it meant that we would have scored. So we were going to be 2-1 with, with 10 minutes to go regardless, right? So it's encouraging beyond belief. So starting out the game, we looked pretty good. Uh, opening 15 minutes, we definitely weathered a storm somewhat. We totally lost the possession battle in that first 15 minutes, as you would expect. Um, they had four shots to our nothing. Um, but it looked like... Honestly, it looked like it may be a long afternoon of playing Chris Hutton football, soak up a lot of pressure, see what we can do on the attack. Um, but unlike under Hutton, we already showed some pretty serious danger on the counter-attack with Connolly up front, uh, and it was very much encouraging to see that our midfield were willing to transition forward. So we lined up with what ended up being something of a 4-3-3 um, in the end with the average player positions. Burn at left back, Webster and Dunk in the middle, Montoya out right, uh, with Aaron Moy back in the squad, or team rather, Dale Stevens, David Proper in the middle, uh, and then Bissouma coming back in uh, and playing in a front three with uh, Pascal Gross, happy to see him back, um, and Aaron Connolly, also happy to see him back up top. Uh, it was an interesting lineup. If you'd have asked me what the odds were of seeing uh, Ibe Bissouma play against Liverpool at Anfield uh, last week, I would have said 0% chance. So what do I know, right? Uh, very much full of creative, hardworking midfielders, and it showed, honestly. Um, I think we actually won the midfield battle all day. Uh, so the main things we need to talk about in terms of match events, of course, are the goals um, that they scored. Both set pieces, both dreadful defending. Um, I believe that that was Liverpool's 31st or 40th, 40th goal from set pieces um, in the last 30 games. So it's not just us that look terrible defending set pieces against Liverpool, um, but we really, really should have done better. Um, and it is not a new issue for Graham Potter. Uh, they conceded more goals to corners than any other team in the championship. Um and we looked terrible again yesterday. Um, from my eyes, it looks like we are trying a like a hybrid of zonal marking and man marking. Um, and we consistently seem to look beaten in the air by pretty much any any team. Um, Lewis Donk and Webster clearly are being the man markers to defend the biggest defenders coming forward. Um, and both of them were totally beaten by Virgil last uh, Virgil Van Dijk yesterday, um, who simply cruised into the six-yard box both times for a comfortable finish. Uh, what we were doing, I do not know. Um, and the worst part of it for me is that we were very conscious today of avoiding their set pieces, right? They only had four corners and one free kick in a dangerous area. We committed 10 fouls, um, and only one of them were in our final third, and that was the one we ended up letting in. So... Potter clearly had an MO of stopping them. If, we, if we're going to have to foul these people, let's foul them before they get into a dangerous area because their set pieces are an absolute danger to us. Um, so to then concede that one foul in the final third and concede it really is uh, a real kick in the nuts. Um, they had four corners. So even then, we, we, you know, we did our best to try and avoid that opportunity for them. 
Um, and in open play, you know, annoyingly, I thought we went pretty toe-to-toe with a Liverpool side um, that are going to win the league this year comfortable. You know, prior to the red card, it was almost 50-50 possession. Uh, 50.3% for Liverpool, 49, or 49.7% for us, right? Uh, 15 shots to our seven, four corners to our five, um, and exactly 83% pass accuracy each. Uh, pretty wild to see some of those stats uh, that really do indicate that we, we, we did all right. Um, Potter had done his research, clearly, because barring the set pieces, I thought we matched them. Um, you know, obviously they were the better team. They're Liverpool and they're at home, but I didn't feel like we were in any great danger of being hammered by six or seven in open play by this team that are capable of doing that to anybody. So I thought we did really well. Um, and obviously at the end of the game, the stats looked even better than for us uh, due to the 10 men. Uh, it ended with 55% possession, 84% pass accuracy for us, uh, 12 shots to their 15, seven on target. Um, you know, we, we dominated the game after that red card and they never really looked like doing too much uh, against us after that point. And it was a shame that we couldn't go on and capitalize. Um, the red card was clearly a red card. I'm sure there's no complaints from anyone, I, th- I should think. Um, I don't think even Klopp can complain about the red card. It was a really silly thing for Allison to do. Um, and now he's got a uh, build-up to Christmas off work. So, you know, good for him, I guess. <laughs> um, the free kick uh, is obviously controversial to Liverpool fans. Um, but the end game is this. The ref blew his whistle. Adrian was asleep. Uh, it already had quite some time to fix his wall. You know, he he wandered into the goal from coming on and all the while he was trying to fix up his wall. Um, So I don't see too many complaints here. Um, And secondly, for any Liverpool fans upset by it, they can probably just pipe down, right? Because they scored a very similar goal versus Barcelona to beat them to 4-0 at their own place not too long ago via a corner to win that game. You know, they... They played almost the exact same thing. No one was ready. They whipped in the corner because the whistle was blown, scored the goal, went through to the Champions League final, won the whole thing. Not a single complaint was given from the Liverpool team. So it's funny how when the shoe is on the other foot, opinions change. Um, But, you know, you won anyway, so I'm not quite sure what all their whinging is about. Um, One final thing on the overarching game. Uh, I thought it would be interesting to look back at Hutton's narrow defeat versus Liverpool this uh, last season because we only got beat 1-0 last year. So, you know, we we clearly looked like we were in it there as well. Um, Salah was the goal scorer for them. Uh, And this was late August of last year. So, obviously, this was Chris Hutton's best stint for the Albion um, last season early on. Came away with a 1-0 defeat. The stats looked a little bit like this. Uh, They had 22 shots, 8 on target. We had 6 shots, 2 on target for us. Uh, We had 32% possession. uh, 30% possession, I'm sorry. uh, 72% pass accuracy, and neither of those shots on target were big chances. Um, We played a 4-5-1 that day of Ryan. Uh, Bong, Balogun, Duffy, Montoya. I can only assume Donkey was hurt or suspended in that game. Uh, Knockart, interesting to note that Knockart is barely getting game time at Fulham now. Um, believe he came on for five minutes yesterday so I'm not quite sure what's happened there given we know how good Knockart is in the championship uh, something must have gone on to not get him any more game time uh, Fulham fans I would love to know why uh, Dale Stevens, proper Bissouma also started again last year at Anfield uh, Solly March and Glenn Murray 
So, I mean, the revolution truly is in full swing, right? Uh, no Glenn Murray yesterday, no Gaetan Bong yesterday, no Balogun yesterday, no uh, Knockout yesterday. Uh, we, we've made quite a few changes, and it definitely seems like a quicker, more transit, transitive side. So, interesting to note the difference in the two sides, and the main thing is the speed and the mobility of the team. Um, big difference. So... Onto the players themselves. Uh, first things first, let's take a look at Lewis Dunk. Lewis Dunk had the weirdest day imaginable for the captain. Uh, so hot and cold, it's unreal. So, back after serving his one game suspension, uh, he was obviously a welcome return. We always want Lewis Dunk in our side, always. Um, and formed a back two with Webster. Unfortunately, um, he was to blame partially, if not in full, for both goals. Um, he definitely lost Virgil van Dijk in one of them. Um, and whether he was due to mark him in the other one, I'm not sure. Uh, but he definitely helped it on its way. Uh, two of his four clearances yesterday uh, presented dangerous situations in the first half where a goal-scoring chance was created. Um, and then went on with minutes to go in the first half to put a seven-yard seven sitter wide. Uh, terrible, terrible first 45 minutes for Lewis Dunk. Um, in the second half, big turnaround for him. Um, he went on to make one tackle, three interceptions, two blocks, scored a goal, um, and then end up with the best pass accuracy in the game behind only Dale Stevens. Uh, only Dale Stevens was the better passer at the ball. Uh, it was truly one of the weirdest games I've seen from him in a long time. Uh, and it seems to be some kind of Anfield curse for Lewis Dunk. Uh, you know, of course, I'm sure that any of the longer term fans remember when we went to Liverpool a couple of years ago in the FA Cup and got beat 6-1 and Lewis Dunk did some kind of weird kick up juggle into the goal for an own goal. Um, it seems to be uh, Lewis Dunk and Anfield are a terrible duo. So probably one to forget for him despite the great goal. Um, but other than that, I thought Matty Ryan was excellent again yesterday. Uh, you know, nothing he could do for both goals. Um, but outside of that, I thought he was brilliant. Some excellent saves, great distribution, looked comfortable collecting the ball when whipped in. Um, and for a goalkeeper that a lot of people say is too short, he certainly looked pretty comfortable taking it at height. Um, Davy Proper was my man of the match yesterday. Uh, I think that the midfield in the way that it was set out is built for Proper to be an absolute danger at all ends of the pitch. Uh, the packed midfield totally allowed him that license to roam, I think. Um, and he and Gross, Pascal Gross, uh, overlapping, playing together, mixing it up on the right-hand side of the midfield is for sure a winning formula. Um, I think we need to keep that as often as possible, personally. Um, I think Davy Proper playing on that right side of the midfield um, and Pascal Gross playing slightly in front of him just becomes, just it's just incredibly dangerous for a team. Um, and between the two of them, they had four shots, two on target, six dribbles, uh, successful dribbles. Uh, bearing in mind, we had 11 successful dribbles all day. So over 50% of our successful movements forward were between proper and gross. Uh, two tackles, three interceptions, two clearances, uh, and also were fourth and sixth, respectively, um, on most touches of the ball yesterday. Uh, Pascal Gross and Davy Proper are vital to this team. Uh, I think that they are playing together incredibly well, um, and I hope that we continue to play them as a duo. Uh, on that right-hand side. Finally, 
uh, to just cover the final piece of the game here, I thought the referee was atrocious yesterday. Um, I thought that, well, I mean, I don't think, uh, I think it was pretty clear, despite Michael Owen being an idiot, um, that it was a pretty clear foul on Aaron Connolly um, prior to them getting their free kick, which was also generous before they scored their first goal. Um, there was about 15 different 50-50 decisions uh, that the referee had to make, and every single one of them went their way. Uh, the offside decisions, again, terrible, right? Um, the offside decisions, there was two um, in the final 10 minutes or so, if not three even, uh, but two I can recall. Um, one to Mopai, uh, both to Mopai, actually. Uh, Mopai was ruled offside twice. Uh, both of them, upon replay, showed that he was quite comfortably onside, um, and both would have created scoring opportunities. So I think we can feel a little hard done by, which is wild, right? We've just gone to Anfield and we can feel hard done by to lose. Um, even basic timekeeping he was terrible at. Uh, he played four minutes and four seconds of injury time. The ball was in play and active for one minute 43 of that added time. I have said this for years to you listening to me it pisses me off no end to see us get given three four five minutes of added time and clearly see over 50 percent of that be out of play and the referee just not care um you know it, he was really poor today um and even on the other end of things if you don't think that that free kick was fair uh shouldn't have happened then it just adds to the fact that he was terrible <laughs> um so one to forget for atkinson uh, i think he's been consistently pretty crap actually um and i'll be happy not to see him referee for a while uh so that's my liverpool review moving on we have two more games to look at because they're coming thick and fast so arsenal Another away game, this time on a short week. Honest to God, how brutal has our, our away game list been so far this season? Watford, who previously finished in the top 10. Manchester City, Newcastle, which is always a tough place to go in our longest trip of the year. Chelsea, Villa, United, Liverpool, Arsenal. Yikes. Um, thankfully, we all know that post-Christmas, this looks like a lot nicer list, right? We have to play a lot of them at home, fine, uh, but I'd rather play them at the Amex than away. Um, not only that, but I've seen a lot of stuff saying how uh, Potter's current reign is matching Hutton's reign of last season points-wise. Um, well, I think we can all take some solace from that, uh, because our second half of the season last year is where it all went oh so wrong. Um, I don't think that that's going to happen, happen under Potter this season. I think it bodes well. Um, we are on game 15 now, I think. 14, 15. I'll have to double check. But we're, we're, we're not far away from halfway through the season, right? I think 18, 19 games is halfway point of the season. Um, if we can sit on 19 points at, that, uh, at 19 games, I think we should be pretty comfortable in staying up. Um, so onto Arsenal is important, right? Because Emery has been sacked uh, this week after losing to Eintracht Frankfurt on, fr on Thursday. Their actual first home defeat of the season. Um, so before we get too excited in thinking we could take advantage, uh, Arsenal have not lost at home in the Premier League all season long. Uh, after watching them against Norwich just now, they certainly don't look that impressive away, but doesn't really matter, does it? Because they've played seven at home, scored 13 goals, 15.9 shots per game, 55% uh, possession on average, 82% pass accuracy on average. Um, 
disciplinary wise they're actually very poor which is something i think we can definitely take advantage of with players like mopai Connolly, trossard gross up front um 19 yellow cards and one red at home that is atrocious um i also have wolves stats up here so if you want to do a quick comparison with wolves uh, they have had 11 yellow cards and zero reds at home um so you know Arsenal are a team that are very much in trouble crisis-wise, regardless of what's going on um, with their managerial kind of decision-making. And it's a team that we can definitely hope to try and take some points from. Um, You know, we have four games to go, five games to go before we hit 19 games. Um, There's no reason to think that we can't try and take a point this week uh, on Thursday, of course. So I don't even know what kind of thing they line up. They're going to be lining up with um, today. They lined up with a couple of random players thrown in there. Uh, but you know, Freddie Lundberg, will he still be in charge once uh, we roll up on Thursday, or will they have a new manager in place by then? Nobody knows. Um, but there are a couple of places we can look to exploit. Right? Uh, they are terrible at avoiding offside, so we are a team that already play quite a high line. Should help us a lot. Uh, they're terrible at protecting a lead. Good for us because we tend to play pretty well when when behind. Uh, they're terrible at defending set pieces. Even better for us. They hate. They are very poor at avoiding fouling in dangerous areas. Clearly, because they have 19 yellow cards at home alone this season. Um, they're very bad in the air. We know this. They're terribly terrible in the air. Um, and they're pretty poor at stopping opponents from creating chances. So, this is a team that are, albeit an incredibly talented one. They are incredibly poor at the back. Uh, Poor, porous, whatever you want to say. David Luiz is not a good defender anymore. Um, Kolosinac is a bang average fullback. Chambers was just lucky to be on the pitch at the end of the Norwich game this weekend. Uh, Gunduzi, Xhaka, you know, these are all players that are built to be taken the piss out of by players like Proper, Gross, Mopai, Connolly, Trossard. Um, They're at home, of course. It's not going to be easy. Um, but I think this is a team that we can definitely um, cause some serious problems for. And of course, their biggest strengths are going to be coming back from losing positions. Um, they tend to come back from losing positions pretty consistently and do well enough to do it. Uh, perfect case in point was away at Norwich today, right? They came back from behind twice um, and creating chances using through balls. Um, they seem to be going hand in hand with the fact that they can't avoid offside very often. Um, men to watch, of course. Emmerich Aubameyang, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is going to be the man to watch. Uh, 10 goals so far this season already. Uh, he is a monster, averaging about three shots per game. Um, he is going to be someone that we need to keep a real close eye on. Uh, and his partner in crime, of course, Alexandra Lacazette. A uh, little bit more disappointing for him, I think, so far. Uh, seven appearances this season, four goals, however, so that's not exactly a bad uh, stat line either. And averaging slightly more shots than Aubameyang anyway so this is a team that are going to be desperate to try and do something a little bit different in uh on Thursday um they're going to have this as their first home game after losing Emery it's going to be interesting to see how they respond um because they were lucky to come away with anything against Norwich they were very bad um and you know I can't remember the last time they've won uh, let's see, when did they last win in the Premier League? Here you go. They last won in the Premier League on the 6th of October against Bournemouth at home 1-0. Uh, 
since then, they've lost at Sheffield United. Uh, they've drew with Palace. They've drew with Wolves. They've lost to Leicester. They've drew with Southampton. And then, of course, they've drew with Norwich. So this is a team that we can come in and try and get some points from. Um, I think that we really should be targeting a draw. Um, and I think we'll be unlucky not to get one. So we shall see. On the other side, right after that, on the Sunday, we have Wolves at home, which is much better. Um, because their away record, you know, so-so. Uh, they've played seven games, nine goals, uh, averaging about 13 shots per game and 44% possession. Uh, they are not exactly the greatest team away from home, which is good for us. Uh, because when you take a look at their away form in the Premier League, uh, they have drew with Leicester. They have lost to Everton, drew with Palace. Uh, of course, they beat Manchester City away, which was unbelievable. Um, they have uh, drew with Newcastle, lost to Villa, drew with Arsenal, beat Bournemouth. You know, it's they're very much bang average away from home, and it's a team that we should definitely be looking to capitalise on. Um Nuno Espirito Santo, or whatever his name is, uh, has done a good job in kind of dragging them back up from the from the depths uh, after their beginning of the season with their European exploits really punishing them. Um, but it's a team that I feel like we can handle. Um, I feel like we've handled a lot of teams built in the way that Wolves have built. Uh, Raul Jimenez, of course, is going to be someone we need to keep an eye on. Six goals, three assists in his 14 games so far this season. Um, Adama Traore seems to really be coming back uh, and creating some excellent performances for himself so far. Uh, 11 appearances, three assists, two goals. Um, and then, of course, their wingbacks are always going to be a problem. Uh, Matt Doherty as well, always an issue at fullback. So, we are going to have to uh, really win the midfield battle, which is what we didn't do uh, last year under Hutton. Last year, we were really dominated uh, by Dendonka, by Martinho, uh, by Neves. Um, this is a group of players that we need to be uh, building out and beating in the midfield. If we don't, we're in big trouble. So uh, what are some weaknesses we can look at to, to beat them? Uh, they are just as bad as Arsenal, actually, um, at fouling people in dangerous areas and defending set pieces. So clearly the MO here is win fouls, whip the ball in the box and try and make the most of them. Um, and they are incredibly strong at counter-attacking um, and coming back from losing positions. So we need to be very careful against that too. Uh, protecting the lead, they're incredibly good at as well. Um, and they're pretty good in the air outside of set pieces. So it's a team that we really need to be careful of. Uh, they play with a lot of width. They also have an incredibly strong center midfield. This is a team that made it to Europe last season with pretty much the same squad. Um, we need to be very much on our game at home to Wolves because otherwise uh, we really can't afford to drop points against Wolves if we don't get anything against Arsenal. Um, but... Lots of football to be played this week, people. Lots of games to be won or lost. Norwich play Southampton this week, of course. Huge game for us in a relegation scrap, uh, After, especially after Southampton just played Watford at home uh, and managed to sneak a win at the last second there with that dodgy handball. Um, we're going we're gonna to really see how the, how the table shakes out in the coming month, weeks um, because, you know, by the time 2020 comes around, we're going to have a real good idea of who those teams are that are in real trouble. Um, and hopefully we aren't one of them. Um, that's all for me. We will be here next week to cover the Arsenal game, to cover the Wolves game, and to look ahead to the Palace game. Also a big one. Um, so have a good week. Be safe. And I'll see you all next week on Together, a Brighton and Albion podcast.